many individuals try to find success on a daily basis. But what defines this success? Where does it come from? When you find a passion in your life and pursue this passion, everything can come together to form success. This is Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. Our guests will motivate you to take the next step to your success. Now, here's your host, David Wallach. Good morning, friends. Uh, I'm excited to be back uh, with our weekly show, Taking Care of Business. Um, Our guest today has made a big impact on my personal life, which I will share later. Um, I I think he opened my eyes, helping me see and realize the changes I need to make in my life habits, and he really motivated me for action. I'm proud to host today Dr. Larry Olhauser of Edmonton, Alberta. Good morning, Dr. Olhauser. Good morning, David. Nice to hear you. Um, Larry, before I share your bio, I have to ask you one question. You know, uh, we'll talk about your past, we'll talk about the future, we'll talk about the business, but there's one thing about the present I have to ask you. As an Edmontonian, are you going to game four tomorrow between the Oilers and the Ducks? Who would not be? You're either going to be sitting in the stands, you're going to be in the, the right outside, so I think anybody who is not at the game must be from Calgary. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> Who's going to win the series? Oh, obviously us. We're going to win it uh, tonight here, uh, Wednesday night, and then we're going to take it uh, down in uh, Los Angeles. So uh, we're ready for round three. Uh, perfect. By the way, were you uh, going to games when uh, the great one was playing in Edmonton? You know, I was. That was wonderful. Uh, we were at every game where we won the Stanley Cup. It was those crazy days, and it looks like it's crazier now. So pretty exciting for the city <laughs> and the members. Perfect. Um, now that we know uh, that the Oilers are going to be the Ducks and uh, you kind of shared with us uh, your experience, um, I want to share with our listeners uh, a little bit of your remarkable bio. Um, and, you know, I had to read your bio about five times before I realized that I won't have enough time during the show to go through your entire bio and, you know, your curriculum vitae, your successes, your, your appointments. Um, so I'm going to share a few milestones uh, during your career. Um, and, um, you know, you can elaborate more on, on stuff that I missed. Um, so part of Mr. Of Dr. Orlau's professional experience and appointments are 1971, you graduated from the University of Alberta as a medical doctor. And 1978 to 1982, you were chief of staff of the Drumheller General Hospital in Alberta. In 1982 to 2001, uh, you were part of the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Alberta, and between 1989 and 2001, uh, you served as the registrar registrar and the CEO. Between 84 and 95, you were a medical officer, uh, captain in the Canadian Armed Forces Reserves. And in 2007, um, some of the uh, awards that uh, you received, I, I think that they speak highly about your uh, capabilities, I would say. Um, honorary life member of the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Alberta. In 2005, you were named one of the top 100 physicians of the century by the Alberta Medical Association and College of Physicians and Surgeons. Same year, 2005, you were awarded the Alberta Centennial Medal in recognition of your outstanding service to the people and province of Alberta, which we have to thank you. Um, You also received that the same year, 2005, that was a great year for you, uh, the Dr. Louis 
I can't pronounce his last name, Levsu. Le, Le, Le <laughs> uh, do you know to, how to pronounce his name? Sure, Louis Lavasseur. Exactly. Louis Lavasseur, the Distinguished Service Award of Outstanding Contribution Towards the Vision and Mission of the Medical Council of Canada. In 2007, you were chosen as the Tech Vistage Canadian Speaker of the Year Award. And between 2007 and present, uh, you're part of the Canadian Association of Professional Speakers and a board member since 2008. In 2001, you started what is now called Allhauser and Associates, and you are the president and CEO. The list like goes on and on and on, and uh, if uh, any of the listeners would like to read more, uh, you're well more than welcome to look at Dr. Allhauser's complete curriculum video on his website, uh, www.thehealthyco.com. Once again, Larry, uh, good morning, and thank you for being our guest at our show, Taking Care of Business. My pleasure. Um, so, I have, the way I start my show is usually I go through your, who the person is, uh, and the listeners would love to know a little bit more about you before we jump into uh, business. Um, but there's one thing that I missed on your CV, on your uh, website. As far as I remember, as far as my memory, and you know, I'm not too old, I'm old, but I'm not too old. As far as my memory is there... You have also a pilot's license. Uh, yes, I do. I, I had an airline pilot's license, uh, licensed to fly my own Citation uh, jet, and I did that uh, for about 4,500 hours. I don't fly anymore, but it was a wonderful time in my career. Did you drag any passengers? Oh, always. <laughs> we had a wonderful time with a family and, and friends uh, using the aircraft also in business. So it was a pleasure to uh, be able to be at that level and enjoy the pleasures of being an entrepreneur. So you didn't kick anyone off your plane and drag them through the aisle? No, it wasn't in vogue at the time, so I didn't do that. I see. Um, was Edmonton always a uh, home for Larry Olhauser? Well, I grew up in southern Alberta, a little town called Carbon, uh, went to medical school and uh, then returned to, to southern Alberta called Drumheller, where I practiced medicine. But since 1982, Edmonton is now my home and uh, I enjoy spending second amount of time in Vancouver. So Edmonton is still my home. And uh, going back to your childhood in the small community in southern Alberta, what kind of a kid were you? Did you think about being a doctor there? Did you play doctor-patient at that time or...? What was well, the activity? Well, I was born and raised on a farm, wonderful parents. We had a dairy. Uh, early on, I got my work ethic. My parents encouraged me to play all kinds of sports. The only rule was be home at 5 in the morning and 5 at night to milk the cows. <laughs> so at the time, it wasn't that exciting, but it certainly now I look back, that was my work ethic. Uh, yes, I wanted to be a doctor because I hated sitting on the tractor, driving around the field, saw no point to that. And never even saw a doctor before I decided I loved animals, taking care of them, and I thought, what a wonderful way to spend my life as being a, a physician. So that's what led me to uh, to want to do uh, what I was doing at home with the animals, and it turned into a medical degree and a medical uh, practice in Drumheller. How many cows did you guys have on a dairy oh, farm? Well, I think, uh, well, on our, our peak, we, we probably milked about 30 a day, so it was busy. Oh, I see. Um, well... I used to work on a farm as well, and we had 300 uh, cows in a dairy kind of uh, farm. So uh, three or 30 a day is nothing for me. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so um, 
you know, you went to uh, university and uh, you, you went to the University of Alberta coming from a small town. Uh, how was it to move to a big city like Edmonton at that time? Uh, well, it was pretty scary for me because uh, there was only 12 in my uh, grade 12 class. And so I went to this university, which at that time had about 7,000 people. I thought everybody was a lot smarter than me. I would never get into medicine. And uh, as it was, uh, many of the people I thought were so smart didn't didn't get into medicine. But it was pretty frightening for a young boy from a small town to uh, show up. I worked really hard my first year. I did very well. Then I slacked a bit because I thought I didn't have to uh, work so hard. And in the end, got the real uh, the real taste for wanting to be a really good doctor. And uh, it led uh, to my practice in Drumheller. So how many years in total did you spend at U of, U of A? Uh, four years for the degree and four years for medicine and then uh, two years in a residency. I see. And uh, any other kind of uh, curriculum, uh, extracurriculum activities during studies or just, you know, a book uh, warm? Oh, I, I played a lot of sports. That was my uh, was my forte when I was a little boy in high school in Carbon. And I that went up to a university kind of sports, never beyond that. I look back now thinking if... Uh, I had the proper coaching, lived the right place. I may have ended up in the NHL or the, you know, some basketball area. I was very, actually very good. But in those days, uh, we were limited to all the resources in the small town. But I had a great life and I have no qualms. So I enjoyed practicing medicine. I enjoyed a lot of sports and still have a lot of sports uh, that I try to conduct on a regular basis, mainly golf. I see. Um, and which one were you better, NHL or NBA as a prospect? Oh, what sports were you kind of uh, better, hockey well, still, or ball or basketball? Still a good golfer, but uh, probably uh, uh, probably hockey. I was a goalie, and I, I became a goalie because I couldn't skate. But I became very <laughs> good, very good reflexes. So if, if I'd had the proper training and and an interest, which wasn't a big thing at the time, yes, I could have probably been a goalie in the NHL. But no regrets. I'm happy where I am. So you made a great career, which will we're, we're kind of. Uh, mention a few of your achievements, but if we go back to some of your schoolmates or teachers at university or high school and ask them, so what do you think about Larry? How, how was Larry? What, what do you think they will say? Uh, well, pretty, pretty common theme. Uh, I, I was really driven to be the best that I could be. I don't know the reason for that, except my parents always encouraged me and uh, made sure that, uh, you know, second was not necessarily good enough if you haven't given all your, the real effort. And uh, naturally uh, gifted as an athlete, so it was not that difficult uh, being the best I could be. And uh, so that just became the way I saw the world. Uh, if you're going to tackle something, be the best you can be. You have a choice. Uh, you can practice. You can do whatever you want if that's your goal. And uh, that became sort of my mantra uh, is whatever I was going to be doing, uh, do it with full energy and passion. And you can be the best that you can be at whatever you choose. Perfect. Um, so you graduate University of Alberta, and, and, and then what? Well, I wanted to be an obstetrician. Uh, I'd be a specialist, and a wonderful teacher said, uh, go out to rural Alberta, get your hands wet and feet dirty, then come back, you'll be a much better uh, specialist. So I went to Drumheller. Uh, one, five wonderful uh, physicians in town took me under their wing. They were probably the best um, role models I've ever seen. I went there for one year, uh, stayed for over 11, and stopped counting after 1,000 deliveries. So I got my fellow obstetrics. But at that time, I ended up uh, being involved with a number of uh, the entrepreneurs in Drumheller, who actually taught me very early on uh, to be uh, a business-minded. 
the title I sort of, people say, what do you do? I say, I'm an entrepreneur and I have an MD. And <laughs> people taught me the value of good business sense. Uh, and early on in my career in Drumheller, I began uh, putting up buildings, steel buildings, and leasing them out uh, to large uh, tractor companies. So I, my goal was, by age 40, to have uh, passive income that equaled my income from uh, being in practice of medicine. I met that goal, but I only met that because I had wonderful mentors in medicine and in business. Uh, perfect. Um, so how many years did you stay in Drumheller? Um once you graduated uh, U of A? I stayed there for 11 years and then I was recruited to uh, come to the College of Physicians and Surgeons and ultimately become the CEO of that body. So uh, it was one of the downsides was leaving clinical medicine early in my life because I enjoyed clinical medicine, but the opportunity to make changes at a large scale, excuse me, at the college, I just couldn't turn down. I see, and you mentioned earlier uh, in your answer that you stopped counting after uh, 1,000 deliveries. That's right. (laughs) Do you know, can you estimate how many deliveries you had overall? Oh, uh, somewhere between 1,000 and 1,100. You know, it was a small community, fast growing, so uh, it just was one of those benchmarks uh, because I always said, you know, I could be a wonderful obstetrician, and I just used that line as, I didn't need a count after that because I certainly got my fill of um, middle-of-the-night deliveries. <laughs> and um, do you meet some of those uh, guys that you delivered or girls that you delivered uh, many, many years ago? You know, I do. And last week, somebody said uh, came up after my, my speech and said, uh, uh, you delivered my daughter in Drumheller. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, that's great. So a lot of things, uh, a lot of times I'll run into people who say, uh, yes, my mother said you delivered me. And it's pretty exciting to see, uh, you know, 20, 30 years down the road, the people coming up and recognizing me as the person who brought them in or helped them come into the world. Um, Larry, uh, you have, uh, how many kids do you have? Uh, we have five between us. Yeah. Uh, we have six grandchildren and they're all healthy and they're all quite successful in their stage of life. So we're actually quite pleased at uh, the past they've chosen and the fun time we've had trying to be good parents and sometimes just lucky they've made the right decisions and we haven't made the wrong decisions. So, fine. Did, did anyone follow your footsteps in the medical world or as entrepreneur? Uh, one of my daughters is just finishing uh, her training as a nurse practitioner. So that's the closest it came. I think uh, seeing their father in a rural practice, uh, very, very busy, uh, probably gave them a different view of medicine than perhaps was real. But uh, uh, my youngest daughter is just said will be graduating in September as a nurse practitioner and working in cardiovascular ICU. I say to all my friends, if you look up and see my daughter, uh, you've had your chest cracked, op- cracked open, and so you'd be nice to her because she'll take care of you. Um, And um, once you left uh, practicing uh, medicine and you moved into the College of the Physicians and and Surgeons, did you come back to practice or that was it? No, that was it. It, uh, Taking that position actually uh, doesn't allow you to practice because you deal with licensing, you give licenses, you take them away, you deal with complaints. And I always joke, it'd be funny if somebody complained with me and I'd have to handle my own complaint. So ethically, once you take that management position, you are really personally excluded from practice. So I did not ever return to clinical practice. And uh, when you left uh, that position, uh, what were your thinking about this, uh, I would say, health industry or health world? What, 
like, as someone who worked, you know, both sides of the equation as a physician and then someone in the licensing uh, authority? Well, I had a pretty strong view that we really had to relook the way healthcare was delivered. Uh, I believe health is a value. Each of us value that differently. But health service delivery is a process. And if we could learn from business, uh, you know, how people do the lean business, we, we could actually measure outcomes. Uh, we could uh, reward outcomes. We could actually change the way medicine is delivered. So that became a passion of mine. And, and, and really, uh, we always ask the question, are there too many doctors or not enough? And my answer would be, in the current system, we don't have enough physicians. If we change the system and the way we delivered our care, I don't think the answer uh, has been told but I think would provide a better service and better outcomes to, uh, to the public and our patients who we serve. And knowing you, you probably voiced your opinion. Yes, I did, <laughs> uh, strongly. And that was greeted by a skepticism, uh, derision. Uh, many times the bright ones would say, yes, that's a really good idea. But it's, uh, you know, we're, it's like the big uh, ship. Uh, it's hard to turn the ship. You just got a chance during my, you know, 19 years there to help model or, you know, keep it from hitting the edges. So whatever we started may now come to fruition. Uh, but yes, I think it's a, it's time that we start looking at how a better, how can we better deliver healthcare, which is what I got excited about when I talked about maintaining your health, not just worrying about disease. And we're going to talk about that after the commercial. Um, uh, the one thing I do promise to not to bring up, because I saw in your bio that you're also involved in uh, some of the American organizations, I'm not going to bring up a question comparing the health systems between Canada and the U.S., because then uh, we need probably five hours and uh, five other experts. Um, so we're approaching our first commercial break, and... Um, Make sure, guys, to open a new tab and check Dr. Olauser's website. Uh, it's www.thehealthyco.com. Uh, you'll find a wealth of information. You'll find uh, the book, The Healthy CO, which we're going to discuss after the break. And we will meet you guys here, uh, the other side of the commercials, in two, in two or three minutes. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit VoiceAmerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. 
Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. We're back with our guest, Dr. Larry Olhauser. President and CEO of Olhauser and Associates. And um, Larry, before we uh, start asking you questions about the business and about the healthy CEO, I would like to share my experience and and why I said uh, at the beginning of the show that you have impacted my life. Uh, We met in 2006. Uh, You first came to my tech group and gave us a presentation, and I remember I was with a suit and tie, and you made us do push-ups with a suit and tie, and I... I did successfully do two and a half uh, push-ups. Um, I was over 300 pounds at that time. Um, however, it did make an impact on me, but I didn't do anything to change it. And um, later this year, that year, in October 2006, I invited you to our company retreat in Banff. And you gave your presentation, and everybody had a wow effect on their face. And then you you put me in the corner, and you kind of pressed me, and you said, "So, okay, David, what are you going to suggest here that we'll do?" So um, once once you challenged me, I had no choice in front of everybody, and we decided that we'll have a one-year health program, and see who improves who improves their lifestyle uh, more than anyone else. And uh, we created a competition within the company. Uh, the same day after you left, after lunch, um, we decided to climb uh, Mount, Mount uh, Sofa from uh, Banff, uh, not with a cable car at that time. And um, I remember that uh, it took me about three hours instead of 40 minutes. And there were two people, Doug and Tanya, that stays with me because they were sure that I'm going to die. And then uh, we came down. We came back to Calgary. And on Monday, I called you and I said, Larry, send me someone that will help me change my life. And you sent uh, Barb, Barb Rooney. I don't know if you remember that. No. Uh, and she, uh, you sent Barb Rooney that worked with you with the cancer, with the, um, uh, cancer on, on one of the cancer treatment uh, societies. And uh, she became my personal trainer. And over the years... Um, now it's 11 years, I lost 70 pounds, I changed my lifestyle, um, and by the way, three of my, I'm now with my fifth personal trainer, three of them left the industry, I don't know if it's because of me, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I keep working out now five times a week, um, and my wife is probably your secret agent because I have eaten more vegetables in the last 11 years than the 46 years before that combined. Um 
So yeah, thanks, Larry, for all that. You're more than welcome. Nice to hear your successes. <laughs> Make sure you thank your wife. Um, so what made you the decision to start Allhauser and Associates and become a speaker, life coach, and mentor? Well, when I, when I left my position at the college, uh, because I had this unique view of how medicines could be practiced, uh, I, I literally was all over the world. Actually, I, I have now worked or spoken in 13 countries. And I had a contract in Australia for 18 months. I'd fly over there every about three months. I'd hit the ground running, uh, doing all my interviews, running around like a crazy man, get back on the plane, fly to Edmonton, thinking, you're a smart boy, because, you know, with the internet, email, I'm keeping all these people happy. I forgot that when the sun goes down here in Edmonton, it's up in Sydney, and I'm, I'm literally working 24-7. And my wife, Kelly, said to me one day, I think we should go away to a couple's retreat. <laughs> and I said, like, why would I want to do that? And she said, well, you need some downtime, and uh, we need some FaceTime, and uh, we're going to meet some old friends. But the only reason I really went is uh, I'm an avid golfer. The highest elevated golf course in North America is in Copper Mountain, where this retreat was. So I said, let's go. So we arrived there, a gorgeous day. Uh, we're checking into the hotel. And my wife said, uh, you know, the conference center is about a, a mile back. Let's walk. Uh, I said, sure. Started to walk within about six minutes. First time in my life I got short of breath. So I did what any average male would do. I slowed down. Now my wife is about two paces ahead, and she says, come on, come on, come on, pick up the pace. I said, oh, I thought we were here to smell the roses. I mean, uh, what's the big rush? And she said, are you okay? I said, of course I am. So we got to the conference center. Now, I'm an MD. I'm an airline pilot's license. So I went through a checklist and finally convinced myself this is no heart attack. This is, uh, this is not a clot in my lung. It's just the elevation. I'll be fine. Well, that night... Uh, I wasn't feeling well. I said, let's, let's just go back to the hotel instead of going to the reception. Go to bed early. Uh, no amorous reasons. I was pretty tuckered. Uh, went off to sleep. My wife did in the thin air. I'm laying there with the air hunger. About 3 in the morning, I sensed the chest pain. But I thought, oh, heaven's sakes, I'm a doctor. I'll just take my pulse. I'll be fine. But when it got to 10 minutes before the tea time the next morning and I still wasn't feeling well, I finally got brave enough to say, I, I don't think I should golf. And she said, what's wrong? And I said, oh, a little, just a little tingliness in my chest, just a little shorter breath. She said, I know something's wrong with you. I said, we got into quite a debate, probably a fight. I said, I'm the doctor here. She wanted to take me to the hospital, uh, so I refused. Uh, so fast forward, uh, get back in Edmonton. The Monday morning, she said, now you promised to see the doctor today as, as I left. And coming back uh, about 12 hours later, she actually met me in the garage door saying, "Did you, what's the doctor say? I said, well... That's hard to tell you because I didn't have time. So she said, I figured. So I made an appointment in emerge tomorrow morning to see your doctor. You better show up. So I did. He checked me out and he said, whoa, Larry, we got to do all these tests to make sure what's going on here. So, you know, I had all the tests I'd ask you to have, David. I mean, I had cardiograms. I had, you know, every orifice was probed. Got the full meal deal. Came back and I said, so what's the scoop, doc? And he said, uh, you know, there's no heart disease. That's good news. And I said, so what's my diagnosis? And he said, you're fat and you're out of shape. I said, Actually, you know, I don't like that. And he said, well, Larry, I've measured your waist to be 46 inches. You got all this fatty tissue here pushing up. You got reflux esophagitis. That's your chest pain. But your blood pressure, blood pressure, your sugar, your cholesterol is skyrocketing. And then he, he did what thousands of docs will still do. He gave me a prescription, said, take these, see in a month. So I was so excited. I bought a bottle of champagne. My wife and I are sitting on our deck toasting that we don't have heart disease. And uh, finally, my wife said, uh, you know, it was pretty scary here. Do you realize how out of control our lives have become? 
And so at that moment, deep discussion, we then decided to take responsibility for our health. I ripped up the prescriptions, started thinking about a man who, was, who came to speak in my tech group, uh, Tom Hill. He talked about an exceptional life you can choose. Uh, anyway, Tom could not leave uh, to get back to his town uh, that night, came to my house, was my mentor, challenged me to write a book, and hence the Healthy CEO book came up, took responsibility, changed my life, and I can tell you there's many other lives are being changed uh, by me seeing the light on learning how to take responsibility for my own health and wellness. Um, I want to uh, touch one point because, uh, as you know, my whole show is is about entrepreneurs and and the, the I, I would say the path it takes to to become successful. And you mentioned a few times already your time in Drumheller and now the the word mentor and mentors. How important is it for someone who starts a business or in, in, in or in any business to have mentors that can you know help us uh, become better? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm dedicated to that. I, I believe so because to me there's three common things that I see in our business and uh, tied also with our health. We, there's always barriers that jump in front of us, whether it's the entrepreneur or health. And, and our mindset, I believe, is this is not going to happen to me. It's not ha- I'll be fine. And so we, we, we kind of avoid that. Secondly, uh, entrepreneurs and healthy people take responsibility. They don't blame anybody else. But lastly, the biggest success I've seen in the entrepreneurs I hang out with and in health is we got to take not only responsibility but be held accountable. That might be through a mentor. It might be through a coach because we always have excuses why we can't do what we need to do. And so I'm, a, I, I'm committed because mentors and, and coaches have actually changed my life by holding me accountable and my feet to the fire. And I can sit here today at age 72 saying probably I'm here because many people have challenged me to smarten up and take responsibility in business and in my health. Are you acting as a mentor now to a few people? Yes, I am. So uh, there's two parts. Uh, I, I, I run uh, three uh, CEO forums uh, for entrepreneurs uh, who are relatively high net worth individuals. Now we meet six uh, times a year. Each of those groups have 15 in and part of what we continually, we, our, our, our view is an entrepreneur not only has to take care of his business, but his personal life and his health. And so we hold each other accountable at those three levels every time we meet. In addition, some of those people have, have, have do an individual uh, uh, coaching, mentoring with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so you started, you mentioned earlier, you started and you were working 24-7 uh, in 13 countries all over the globe in different time zones. Did you have, did you, when you started your uh, kind of uh, company uh, as Olhars and Associates, did you have like a mission, a vision, a purpose, or you just said, I know what I want to do, let's go and do it? Well, I did, but I was—I ended up having to change courses because I was I, initially I was simply committed to, to bringing some change to healthcare delivery. But as I got understood more about that, what I really came out with—it's it's trying to help individuals become the CEO of their own health. Our system is built pretty good. If you get sick, we'll take care of you. But it's not, in my view, good enough to help people stay well. And so that's where all one day this spark came into my brain saying, it's not just the healthy CEO. How do we help, help people become the CEO of their health and get the benefits they deserve? So I started by saying I'm here to help change the healthcare system. 
uh, it blended into a much more focus on personal health and wellness. And over my time now, it's focused on the C-suite uh, uh, leadership in the organizations. Um, when you, in one of your um, presentations or, or in, and also on your website, you call it the battleground and, and the business battleground. So when you started promoting the um, healthy CEO, or as you call it, the working with the C-suite, um, what did you find? Like, what did you find about the lives of uh, CEOs, entrepreneurs, whether they're principals, whether they are assigned CEOs? What were the findings in the battleground, as you call it? Well, in, in general terms, they're all driven to do, do well from a business point of view. And what comes secondary is their personal and their family. When I talk about personal, it's their health. And, and you know, they're so focused. But what, what I see commonly is they tend to be in massive denial, that whole barrier. And I actually believe stubbornness is the biggest barrier that we have in this level because, you know, I'm, this is not going to happen to me. I'm fine. And we see other people dropping around us and we convince ourselves, I'm okay. I'm okay to work long hours for probably drink more alcohol than I should. I'm stressed to the max, but I will be fine. And I think what we need to do is say, what are the principles that have made you a successful entrepreneur? Can't we, can't we use those? And that is recognize the barrier in, in health and stubbornness. Take responsibility for your own health and make sure you have an accountability mechanism. You know, I have a phrase here that I mean, successful CEOs uh, and entrepreneurs if you're dead, you won't make your numbers. So how do I help you stay healthy enough to make your numbers and enjoy what the success has brought you? Um, so in 2001, you started, and when did the healthy CEO idea came to fruition? When did that slogan and, and then creating that program came into life? Well, I, I can officially say in 2007, my book came out, but it was painful. So there was probably three or four years there was being a naive uh, at, at, at writer uh, I, I, I didn't do a very good job uh, making sure uh, I, I wasn't taking advantage of. So officially, I can say my book came out and I was on the circuit. So around January 2007 is when all of a sudden my career changed to saying, I believe with my background, I can help CEOs. I believe healthy CEOs make better decisions and improves the bottom line of their companies. And. Uh- so you were already six years into uh, the business and you came up with this idea. Can I assume, or maybe I should not assume, but ask you, so did you go back to your clients and say, here's my new idea, it's called the healthy CEO. Uh, what was the reaction? What, how did they, clients, like the current clients or past clients and prospects accept this idea of you know, challenging them? Well, because of my involvement with Tech Canada at the time, I had had the opportunity to meet with lots of CEOs. And every time you, uh, to me, when you ask them, what's the biggest issues you're facing? Not infrequently, large portions say, it's my health. I'm just worried about my health, but I'm not doing anything about it. And sort of the light went on and said, with my credibility, with my medical degree and, and my entrepreneurship, you know, maybe they'll at least let me in the door and listen. And then it just grew from there. Uh, I, I have, have uh, had a competition. We uh, did 110 CEOs across Canada whose companies were greater than 10 million. And they signed up for a whole year of uh, competition. We benchmarked them uh, uh, on certain factors. Uh, they reported in at 90 days. We measured them again in a year. And a first prize was a trip for two to South Africa, uh, South America. So we had all these people just so excited and see some major changes, like you said, one 
one person said to me, you know, I lost over 100 pounds. I turned my life around. First time I ran a marathon. So what I then have taken, those are the kind of people, and you were one of them early on, how can I come to your company? Because if you choose to, to be the CEO of your own health, you show that leadership. Then let's talk about your leadership team. From there, it goes down to your, your organization. And that's where the evidence says the healthy CEO makes better decisions, your company makes better decisions, and really improves the bottom line. So that's my passion, which came from being in medicine, being a CEO, being an entrepreneur, saying, how can I really help people make a difference in their lives, particularly from the niche that I have floated into, and that's uh, high-level C-suite individuals. Um, Larry, last question before we have about two minutes or a minute and a half for uh, before we go into a break, and after the break, we'll talk about the book. Uh, but you describe yourself as an expert in corporate health and wellness. Can you elaborate in a minute and a half what do you mean as corporate health? So that, that's the health of your company. So that's the employees. So there's lots of good evidence now coming out from very high-level you know, research institutions saying if you have healthier employees, you, know, you are going to improve the bottom line. You're going to decrease absenteeism. You're going to increase present presenteeism. You're just going to have people much more committed, therefore affecting the bottom line. And that's what I start saying. If that is now research-based saying healthier employees, how do I in how do I help CEOs saying they should have a corporate wellness plan? Uh, and that's where that came out. I, I, I believe I have some expertise in helping people at your level see where the light is, see the advantage, then offer some insight into how this might be developed because every company is different differently, and then help them select uh, people who would actually administer that. I don't do that. I want to say, if you're committed to this, here's, some, here's an example. Uh, and uh, I have a major national company who did this, change 50 of the regional uh, managers and clearly talk about how to improve the bottom line. That's good corporate health. Uh, perfect. Thank you. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we're going kind of uh, nearing our second uh, commercial break. Uh, don't forget to check again uh, Larry Olhauser's uh, website, www. Uh, thehealthyco.com we're going to talk about the book uh, following the uh, second break of the commercial and we will see you here or hear you here in three minutes streaming live the leader in internet talk radio voiceamerica.com Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Uh, we're back with Dr. Uh, Allhauser, and um, Larry, I would like to move now and talk about your book, which um, you even mentioned me in the book, which was the first time that someone mentioned me in a book. Oh, well. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, in, in the book, The Healthy CEO, um, also in your presentation, you discussed the three aspects of a healthy CEO. Um, can you remind us what they are? Sure. So I talk about physical, relational, and financial wellness. And so uh, what was important to me is I was starting to research to write my book. I was focusing on how could we be better physically. And, of course, I kept seeing all these other documents. But you have to have a good relationship. You have to have a good, good finances. And I would say, yeah, 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 sure, that makes sense. Uh, you know, if you're in a committed relationship, uh, once in a while things go off the rails. If plus, yeah, I know I can get sick. Uh, things turn a little sour financially, can affect everything. So, yeah, okay, intuitively I understand that. But in my research, not my research, in researching what was available, found out that this is all about keeping tiny little cells in your body called the mitochondria healthy. Mitochondria in every cell is what gives you energy and strength. And if you create an environment around that cell, uh, that cell can stay alive and healthy for 120 years. But what tends to happen is with our lifestyles, when we have uh, all this stress, etc., there are three hormones that are fundamental to the health of these cells. One's insulin, it moves sugar back and forth. The other's adrenaline, it creates the fight-flight hormone. And the other's cortisol, it tries to repair cells, or if it's around too much because of stress, can actually injure the cells. That then, for me, tied in when we're talking about, so if you're, if you're stressed out from a relationship, the same hormones are causing a problem if it's financial. So that's how I was able to tie from a scientific view that you need have a balance or at least a harmony between your physical, relational, and financial wellness to really get the benefits that you not only desire but that you deserve. You know, I thought that the fundamental of relationship is seven words. Is yes, dear, I'm sorry, and you're right. I didn't know it has also to do with medicine. Well, see, now you're being enlightened. This is good. <laughs> I'm sure your philosophy does work many, many times. <laughs> Did you use my philosophy in the past? Of course, of course. <laughs> it's usually a one-off philosophy, though. Um, 
in, in your first chapter, um, which is kind of the opening, uh, you know, I would say challenge, or maybe I'm using the word challenge, the opening challenge in your book, basically you're calling us, uh, whether it's a CEO or principal, entrepreneur, to change our life and work habits. And, and um, many kind of leaders and companies have tough time with the word change. Um, how, how did you, you know, or how do you deal with trying to change people's mind, um, especially in organizations that, you know, are used to a system? Right. So, so what struck me is uh, we, we have this term called work-life balance. I think it's been around for over 20-some years. And, and it, I, I would understand at the start it was trying to say, you know, we have to keep uh, aware of what's our personal and, and our life and our work. But I think it's become quite I, – I I've never met anybody at this level who can say, hey, I have perfect work-life balance. And, and so that becomes sort of that tradition. We have to really work hard. And yes, unfortunately, that may mean our personal health or our relationship or might suffer. And I, I think that's not, we can change that paradigm. So what I like to talk about with people at the level I deal with is think of the term personal and professional satisfaction. You can have a day uh, that's unbelievable. It's 12 hours. You've closed a big deal. As you're driving home, all those hormones are just enjoying. They're in harmony because you are professionally satisfied. That adds to the health of the cells. You then must take the choice, you know, go out to the kid's soccer game, take your wife out for dinner to make sure there's that personal satisfaction. So to me, it's about understanding there is a different paradigm and, and taking responsibility to make the right choice under personal and professional satisfaction to keep the hormones in, in harmony and therefore keep those cells healthier. So let's dig a little bit deeper into the change and, and how to, what advice you give people. Can you share with us, without naming any company, um, how did you influence a company to make changes that, you know, help them either uh, bottom line or, or have better employees or have healthier employees? Well, you know, just to me, just as factual, it's not judgmental. If, if, if I'm sitting down with you for the first time, you've been introduced, my sense is you're only going to listen to me about their health if I can show you the solid evidence that says this will improve the bottom line of the company. If I can get that across and here's the evidence, all of a sudden you're much more interested than deciding you should lose, you know, 10 or 15 pounds. That's the language I believe CEOs and entrepreneurs understand. So why wouldn't that be my opening? If I can convince them this is the desired outcome, then all of a sudden they're all ears. The second part then is simply how do you operationalize that? That becomes a different process depending on the organization. So a large national organization with regional managers who spent their time, it's a food chain, a fast food chain, their regional managers are always on the road, they're eating their food, they're eating other food, uh, the competition, they're smoking, they're drinking, and as the CEO said, I have no idea what they do in the hotel at night, he said, I don't get an ROI on those people for about four to five years, and I don't want them dying and getting sick before then. And so we created a program that individualized those 50 people, and over 80% of those individuals, their lifestyle changed. They were much more alert. They improved the bottom line in their own regions, and the CEO says it's all about shocking them to the value of good health, even though you're on the road, and more importantly, the CEO wasn't just worried about 
the profit they were going to generate, he was worried about his people. His view was healthy people, they understand I'm taking care of them. I'm not just there as a, as a regional manager to make more profit for the company. That CEO was actually interested in me. That was a, a, an experience that I, I just talk about all the time because it was real and uh, long-lasting changes to that company. Mm. Um, by the way, uh, the year that uh, you challenged us and we did our, our uh, uh, one-year challenge, health challenge, uh, our uh, premiums for our uh, insurance went down by 40% because we had way less uh, su- uh, sorry, claims than any year before that or after. Um, so let's move to chapter number two and and in chapter number two you use the term go far um so for me far as a real estate professional is floor area ratio but your interpretation is a little bit different can you kind of elaborate a little bit about go far well i was trying to find a little acronym that kind of fit with where where i'm going uh you know it's really about being visionary and not just worried about the the bottom line in the in the the first month but it's really it's just making sure that there's such a body of wisdom out there where it talks about you have to be able to access knowledge, you have to act and you have to analyze if you want to get the results. So it just was an acronym I try to use that would catch people's eye and it's been quite successful, uh, quite prudent. And uh, can you can you kind of uh, mention what it is, the far or you want me to read it? No, so I mean, first of all, you have to focus on your goals. I mean, I, I don't know of any successful people who haven't either articulated or implicitly in their brain said, uh, here's the goal I'm striving for. Second, you have to add value to your goal. So if I want to lose weight, I lose weight, there's no other value. Uh, th- that doesn't make a lot of sense. And then relish your goals. So if your goal is to stay healthier, one of the, the added value is I'm losing my weight and I relish the goals because people are saying, man, David, do you ever look good? So that's the concept between for, for uh, Go Far. Mm-hmm. Um, last question I have about uh, the book, and uh, as I said, you first first chapter you call uh, for a change. Uh, now you talk about the goals, Go Far, and chapter number three talks about the success cycle. Right. So the success cycles is really all, all about understanding what are the factors that will will make that successful can you can you elaborate a little bit about the assessment the anal- the analysis and the action well it all came from the fact that it's pretty hard to tell people like you or high level CEOs what to do so i wanted to create a, a simple but valid assessment tool so for example there are nine factors in physical health my my book offers uh, a an assessment that you go through. If you answer the questions honestly, you get a snapshot on a scale of one to 10, 10 being awesome, one not very good, of how you rank, whether that is stress, whether that's eating, whether it's sleep, you know, whether it's substance use. Because once you do that assessment, it's not me telling you, you look at the little dashboard and say, whoa, I have a number of serious issues here. The second thing is, are you prepared to act on that? By act, I'm saying if you pick one of the goals and yours was I'd like to lose some weight, Put the goal down, you know, prepare what your what your action plan is. And then, as you said, you analyze your outcome and you say, man, this was this was painful, but I got the kind of results I wanted. So it's that success cycle. I believe we actually see in, in good business as well. So you assess, you act and you analyze and then you start the cycle again. 
Um, Larry, I have to ask you one question. We talk about the healthy CEO and we talk about CEOs. I also want to kind of touch one um, point that is the newer generations, let's call them, in the in the workplace, the younger people that are between, let's say, 25 to 35. Um, if you're talking about us not having a healthy life, the CEOs of the past, I, I see the young generation that is completely hooked to their phones, to their all those electronic gadgets and they go to bed with it. They go to. They wake up with this. It's uh, they they uh, they're connected 24/7. What's your opinion about this whole kind of new era of electronic connection? Well, uh, I, I too have a concern about that because I have kids uh, in that that millennial kind of age group. But instead of focusing on that tool, and I, perhaps ours was different. We had the pager for the first time. We would all. So I, I'm more concerned about how these people think and you know as a CEO if if my employees know that I care about them and my purpose of my organization aligns with their purpose so I believe purpose uh, you know drives people to join my organization if they see I'm happy with them and, and their health then they're going to drive my profit so I'm not so anxious about the tool their inattention if that tool helps them know the purpose they have in life and it aligns with my company I'm gonna I'm gonna have exponential growth. So I just think I can't overreact. It drives me crazy. Uh, so we have rules at the table. There's no cell phones, etc. Uh, there are jokingly times I'm walking down the street. I'd like to just step in front of somebody who who's got their nose in their cell phone. <laughs> it's a it's it's part of the real world. My position is how do we help those individuals uh, if that's the tool they're now using to understand they have a purpose and can that purpose align with my organization, they will stay with me and we're both going to be happy, me for my profits and they for their their They're fulfilled by working for an organization that aligns with what they believe their purpose in. Sorry. Larry, we're getting to the end of our show and I have one question and you have about 30 seconds to answer. I know you're a, bigger, you're a big believer on challenging ourselves. What is the one creative strategy that you can uh, advise leaders in challenging ourselves? Uh, the first is to have a realistic goal. In the 30 seconds, I had one fellow who drank 30 bottles of Coke a day. His challenge was to reduce that. His goal was not to stop, but to go to 15 within six months. So he had a realistic challenge that he could take action on. He analyzed that in the end, he stopped drinking long before his goal. But it's take a challenge that's realistic Ask somebody to hold you accountable, and you will enjoy the success that you deserve and desire. Larry, I want to thank you so much for sharing your story, ideas, thoughts, and knowledge with us. Uh, next Tuesday, we're going to leave North America, and we're moving to Europe. Our guest, Dimitri Tukchar, uh, is the president and CEO of LGFG Fashion House. Dimitri resides in Tallinn, capital of Estonia, and we will interview him from his office in Estonia. Uh, those who met Dimitri will probably call him a fashionista rather than a CEO. However, he has built an amazing fashion house and educates business people how to better dress. I want to thank our listeners and remind you to like us on Facebook, connect with us on LinkedIn, and follow me on Twitter. You can also reach me at dvwallach at gmail.com. I wish you all a prosperous week, and I will meet you here next Tuesday, May 9th, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Estonia time. Your host, David Wallach. 
Thank you for listening to Taking Care of Business. Please join David Wallach again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until we talk again, make your week as great as you want it.